Hi everyone, before we get into this episode, I just want to apologise for my audio. When I recorded the live show, I used my AirPods, which are absolutely rubbish for this sort of thing. So I'm now using my headset, which sounds crystal clear at my end. So I'll be using this going forward. Um, And obviously I'm still trying to find my feet with all this live show podcasting stuff. So just bear with me and you know, every episode is getting better and better. So for this one, you might have to listen a little bit harder, but enjoy the show. Pre-match warm-up news. Welcome, folks. This is just where I reel off a few bits of football news whilst we wait for others to join the space. So, firstly, Jude Bellingham is off to Real Madrid, which I find highly annoying because I was looking forward to seeing his talents in the Premier League. I guess he fancies sitting on the bench or being racially abused by those horrible La Liga fans. Secondly, Messi is off to the MLS to join David Beckham's into Miami. To think, Phil Neville was only a few weeks away from telling Messi what to do. Or maybe Messi said, yep, I'll come if you sack Phil Neville and get a decent manager in. Also, Messi said if it was about the money, he'd have gone to Saudi Arabia. So I guess the percentage of the MLS season pass subscriptions he's getting paid by Apple has nothing to do with it. Talking of Saudi Arabia, that is exactly where Benzema is heading to, to join the rivals of Cristiano Ronaldo's team. Got to hand it to them. They are pumping money into it to become the new retirement league. And it looks like N'Golo Kante is next to head in that direction. The Saudis are also interested in Mares. Di Maria could be on his way to the MLS too. Jefferson Lerma has swapped Bournemouth for Palace. Milan Sarr won't be staying at Monaco and he's on his way back to Chelsea. And Brahim Diaz, who's had three great years at AC Milan, signs a new long-term deal at Real Madrid. Congratulations to West Ham for winning the Europa Conference League last night. One of their players becomes the first footballer to win all five UEFA, UEFA competitions during his career. He won the Euros with Italy in 2020, the Europa League in 2019, the Champions League in 2021, and the UEFA Super Cup in 2021 with Chelsea, and now the Europa Conference League in 2023 with West Ham. Take a bow, Emerson Palmieri. Quite a career, and he's still only 28. Where's that IPO? And in the crypto world, the American authorities are suing people yet again. This time, Binance and Coinbase are the lucky ones on the government's radar. The US has no idea what they're doing, to be honest. Pushing one of the biggest advances in technology out of their country is just stupid, in my opinion. But hey, America has gone from being a superpower to a bit of a laughing stock, to be honest. So good luck to them, because they definitely need it right now. And lastly, the life expectancy of a meerkat is 12 to 14 years. And with that stupid advert hitting our screens in 2009, Surely, any day now, it's going to reach the end of its lifespan. Welcome, everyone, to episode four of the Stocks FC Files. I've got another great show lined up for you today, as we've got another special guest joining us. If it's your first time listening in, then welcome, and you've come to the right place for all the best Stocks FC content. 
Coming up, we've got the chit chat files, the super stats, player comparisons featuring our special guest, Greek trader, revealing an IPO name for next week. Nothing to report from the last show. Okay, so this week's chit chat files. This is the gossip I've heard from around the world of Stocks FC since the last show. It may or may not be true, but whatever you do, don't shoot the messenger, as I'm merely here to share what I've heard, and I'll try my best to keep the info as solid as possible. So, I saw Alex post that any beta IPO players that transfer out of the league before the first day of the new Premier League season will be refunded at IPO price. If the transfer takes place after the season has kicked off, then there's no refunds, I'm afraid. Kane and Madison are the two that are at risk here. But personally, I think both will remain in the Prem, so it's all good in the hood. Some huge PR campaigns are planned for the start of the season. Until then, the team are focused on ironing out any bugs and getting everything ready for mass marketing. And a more informative matrix is on the way to provide clarity and regarding all the questions that have been asked about it over the last few weeks. Right, that's the gossip out of the way. So let's move on to the facts as it's time for super stats. Okay, so this week, the platform currently has 1,894 registered accounts, which is an increase of 89 in the last week. I think that's outstanding, and Alex said they've run a small Google ad campaign this week to test some different keywords, which resulted in a few sign-ups, but the majority are still coming from Twitter. There's been 14 players IPO'd onto the platform so far. Harry Kane is still the biggest supply, sitting at 31,677 which isn't surprising, and we're going to need a real premium player to get IPO'd before we see another big supply. Ruben Diaz now has the smallest supply, sitting at 3711. There wasn't a great deal of interest in his IPO, as centre-backs don't seem to be favoured, although I'm sure a few will be nodding in headers from a corner next season and winning some dibs. There's been a total of 224 stocks burnt to date, which is an increase of 44 in the last week. Nobody's questioned my assumption over the last week. So in that case, with the burn being 1%, if we multiply that 44 by 100, then that gives us a rough idea that 4,400 stocks have been traded on the transfer market in the last week, which is pretty good. This also means roughly 22,400 stocks have been traded on the transfer market since the platform's inception. The biggest percentage of a supply burnt to date goes to Jesus with 0.43%. The smallest percentage of a supply burnt to date goes to Ruben Diaz with zero as his burn is yet to start. Trippier and Curtis Jones are the next two with the smallest burnage. We've seen a total of 138,130 stocks IPO'd since the inception of the platform. That's an extra 11,890 stocks added in the last week. On the wallets front, not much to report. 
Um, it's good to have our first proper week of figures to track, but unfortunately, it's been a very quiet week on the IPO front as players being IPO'd were fairly boring and didn't get much interest. So let's see what happens in the upcoming week. Um, but as far as the wallets go, not much increase, but that's to be expected. Okay, folks, that's the usual stats out of the way. So let's move on to the main part of the show, which I'm hoping will be stats galore. So here we go. Joining me on today's show, we have Greek Trader, who, like me, is one of the OGs in the Stocks FC community. We were both beta testers for the platform last year. And since then, he's done a lot of work on the player stats side of things. He's posted some great spreadsheets to show the individual and team scores for each player for last season, which I found extremely useful when building my short list of players I'm looking to buy. So, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you doing? Yeah, everything's quite good. Uh, thank you for the invite, and I hope that we can uh, present people with some interesting stats and stuff. So, thank you once again for the opportunity. You're welcome, mate. What you the spreadsheet sent me looks good. So, yeah, hopefully we'll um we'll hammer the audience with lots of stats. Okay, so first question: Give us an insight into your history with these types of platforms. Uh, yeah. So I I well, I'm not uh, UK based, so I I didn't catch up on FI from the beginning. But uh, while I was doing my undergrad in the UK, I actually got eight months. And uh, yeah, so it, it seemed very interesting, but then it was, uh, you know, um, I couldn't access it from Greece. So that was it. Um, and then, you know, I, I was missing that buzz. So I, I searched for other um, you know, alternatives and then I joined Sorar, which I, my, my, my stay there was quite short. It was six months. Uh, and now I'm, uh, well, as you can tell, I'm really keen and bullish on this platform. Good, good. So, comparing Stocks FC's platforms in the past, how do you feel about it so far? Well, um, as you can tell, I'm really involved. I, I like the product, uh, the, the white paper and the structure of it is uh, very well built. So, that being said, I'm quite bullish. Uh, you, you, also, you always have to take you know, into consideration the risk involved with the early stage projects. But uh, I, I believe that the team, you know, it's the plan is built around sustainability and natural growth. So that's a very important factor for any product. So I'm, I feel quite, you know, bullish about it. Sustainability, you can see in the model in the sense that, yeah, I see all these other platforms popping up at the moment. There's a few out there and, you know, I look at it and I just can't see any road to sustainability. So I've just got no interest in even really getting involved in trying it because yeah stocks fc for me is going to be is going to be very decent so were you a social media stats man for any of the previous platforms or is this a new journey for you no it's uh, an entirely new new journey for uh, for fi I, I didn't do this kind of analysis as my stay there was quite short for sorar we had the uh, sorar data so everything was calculated there so you, there, there was no need for stats. So this is actually the first time I'm getting involved. Uh, although I've, I've, I'm really into like sports analytics. I've, I've read a lot of books. I, I even actually had, you know, an offer from uh, Loughborough University to study a uh, postgraduate there. 
but then decided it was a bit risky, like given my age. So this is the first time, but I'm, I'm really enjoying it and like sharing my findings with the community and helping people out. Good, good. Okay, so what does your portfolio currently look like then? How many stocks you hold in? Um, for me, I've got 1,280 stocks spread across 11 different players. And the only IPO I've not bothered with so far was Declan Rice, but he looks like he's had quite a decent price rise. So I wish I'd brought some just to move him on. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I've, I've currently got around, uh, no, actually, precisely 732 shares. So that's spread amongst uh, 10 players. Uh, the, the ones I've missed were Declan Rice because, well, we'll get, uh, we'll get into it later, but uh, like CDMs are not very favoured. Uh, Curtis was another one I passed because I, I couldn't find the value. Diaz, another one because of the centre-back issue, which we'll discuss later. And uh, Pinock is one that I'm not very <laughs> keen on. Uh, and the, my highest uh, ownership is uh, Trippier, which is roughly 1%. And the lowest being uh, Reese, which is r- roughly 0.4%. Uh, I must admit, though, that I'm quite over budget as I've spent 50%. So I'll need to find a way to fit everyone in there. All the beta testers are probably a little over budget at the moment. Um, so have you got any kind of plan for your portfolio? certain number of players or anything like that so i i was um i was considering you know whether uh, an, a more aggressive approach of having like uh, 10 12 players and the uh, highest percentage whether that's better or spreading it uh, evenly amongst 2025 so i decided to go for the latter uh my strategy is that because uh, i believe that in the beginning of the season so we're expected to have around 50 55 players so if you own 20 by 25, that means that 50% of your portfolio will be winning, meaning that, you know, it can bring those uh, steady returns, which can fund uh, your next purchases. So I'm, I'm considering probably a portfolio of 20, 25 players. I'm along the similar lines in the sense that if I can get a steady, um, you know, a steady batch of rewards coming in all the time, then that funds the the next purchases. So yeah, that's, that's the route I'm heading down. Okay. So do you want to give the listeners an insight into where you get your stats from and how long it takes you to produce these kind of stats? Yeah, of course. So uh, my initial uh, rookie approach was to find the averages of each player. So that's uh, find the games played uh, and then find the total stats, divide them by the games and, you know, get a, an average gauge of what they scored. So for that, I used primarily SofaScore. Uh, and uh, there were three stats. Uh, those specifically are blocks, uh, woodworks, and penalties that I couldn't find. So I got that data from the Premier League official website. Um, usually, I've, I've built... Uh, well, I use Excel a lot for work, so I kind of automated the process. So each player takes me like one to two minutes. So that was my initial approach. And uh, now as I've actually uh, announced on my Twitter, I found out about Rotowire. So that's a website that uh, is subscription-based. Uh, I think it's like $13 for a month. Uh, and there you can download the analytical data of each player for each game week. So now I'm in the process of uh, building a database uh, for the scores of each player per game week because, uh, you know, averages can 
give you a good understanding, but it might uh, not be uh, exactly correct. So, like, for example, you might have a player that's played three games. Two of them are 80-point games and the other one is 10-point game. So that average is roughly to 57. But then you can have a player that uh, has three games of 57 points. They both have the same average, but the the, the player with uh, 80 points can actually, you know, get in team of the week. So I'm... I'm I'm planning on doing that and uh, stay tuned because I'll also be posting uh, on my new series, uh, Stock FC Insights. Uh, after the end of each IPO, I will be posting certain stats like how many team of the weeks they managed to hit on the 22-23 season and some other interesting stats. So look, really looking forward to that. Keep up the good work, buddy, and thank you for your efforts. You know, as a content creator myself, I respect the amount of time you have to put into creating our content and it's never a quick task so yeah well done with all this all the stuff you're putting out there i'm sure the community are finding it very useful yeah i must admit it's it's okay. quite uh, time intense and you know trying to balance out work uh, you know relationships friends and that is quite uh, hard but uh, i'm really into it and I, I i really you know like producing these kind of stats and then sharing them yeah like yourself i'm a i'm a spreadsheet geek as well so once you can get a decent spreadsheet up and running, it, it definitely makes life life a lot easier. Yeah. Cool. Right, so let's move on to player stats then. Let's start with the goalkeepers. So personally, I'm planning to hold around seven to eight goalkeepers as that should give me a decent chance of picking up the goalkeeper awards quite regularly. So what stats have you got for us on the goalkeepers front? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, in terms of uh, in terms of the average scores, the the highest score was uh, David de Gea. So I would assume that that is due to the eighteen clean sheets. Which, uh, as a United fan, I can tell you, I don't think it's going to happen next year. So that's something to bear in mind. Uh, the second player is uh, Raya from Brentford. So with an average of thirty-seven. The third is Alisson from Liverpool with an average of thirty-six. Then it's Ramsdale with uh, an average of 34.4. And finally, Leno is the fifth one with an average of 34. So uh, it seems like Brentford are doing very well in terms of analytics, as you can tell with Raya. And uh, in general, goalkeepers will be a bit weird because uh, you have the points primarily coming from saves and clean sheets. So you need to find a balance of a team that does not concede, but they also face a couple of shots because you have the old case of Ederson, which had, I think, 11 clean sheets, but he literally had 1.3 saves per game in comparison to Raya, which had 4.1 saves. So I think like the mid to top teams, such as like Aston Villa, Brighton, Arsenal, Liverpool, you know, the teams that concede a couple of shots but will also get you the clean sheet. I think, like, these are the ones to target. Surprised at Leno. Yeah, so Leno had uh, four saves on average per game. So that's the second highest after uh, Raya with 4.1. So I think that's where the points came. I, I, as I've, I can recall, I think they kept, uh, it was uh, eight clean sheets. Wow, that many. Yep. Cool. Okay, so... Ignoring the top five of Edison, Allison, Ramsdale, De Gea and Pope, out of the rest of the goalkeepers, who had the best stats last season and who do you think will do well next season? Well, as I mentioned, uh, 
uh, David De Gea will not will not be doing so well. So one uh, quite interesting was Neto. So he managed to average three point nine saves per game, and they only get six clean sheets. So Neto would be one I'm looking forward to. Uh, and if that counts, if Raya goes to Tottenham, I think he will be another very interesting one. Uh, apart from them, I, I believe that uh, we need to, I think we kind of underestimate the uh, the European games. So you have uh, players such as uh, Emiliano Martinez for Villa. So he will be one goalkeeper to look at because not only he will have the Premier League games, he will have cup games, European games, as well as international so my pick would be Emiliano Martinez. He will be one to look for. Him and uh, Jason Steele from Brighton. So let's move on to defenders. Now, I'm under the impression that centre-backs are going to be dead holds and it's all about full-backs. So would you agree with that from looking at your stats or are there any centre-backs that are top in the charts? Um, I would I would strongly agree. The, the thing is... Um, so I found out the average uh, points needed, the average minimum points in order to get a team of the week. So that, that's the average uh, points uh, needed for the uh, third defender, the third best defender each game week. And uh, surprisingly, that was uh, 58.3. So on average, let's say 58, a score of 58 as a defender would get you uh, in team of the week. So... Obviously, clean sheets and wins are very important. And then you need those decisives. So, like, goals, assists, key passes. And as you know, centre-backs, they kind of lack those. Uh, actually, out of the top 50 average defenders, only two are centre-backs. And that's Laporte and Stones. But we have to bear in mind that they only played 12 and 23 games, respectively. So, it makes the sample a bit less representative. Uh, so, in general, I would say that uh, fullbacks will be the way to go, especially for attacking-oriented teams like Brighton's fullbacks do well, Liverpool's fullbacks do well because they used to, to you know, they, they they tend to play from the wings. So, I, th- I think centre backs for the current matrix will not be the the, the most sought out, and uh, I will um, probably. Uh, you won't be happy with this, but uh, according to my stats, Diaz wouldn't have won a single team of the week uh, last season. My 25 shares, I'm hoping he pops up with a header <laughs> at some point. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's, um, yeah, there will be a few centre-backs that make it into team of the week, just in the sense that, you know, someone like Van Dijk, you know, he gets the occasional goal, Liverpool keep a clean sheet and get the win. Uh, that's quite a likely scenario, so... Yeah, I think we'll see the odd one, but to be honest, on the defenders' front, it is going to be about the attacking wing backs, as it was in you know FI and you know FPL. So yeah, it's no different to the norm, really. Yeah, but but this is where the interesting uh, mechanics of the platform come in, in which Diaz has a three point seven k shares, uh, might be somewhere around that mark. So basically, that makes him valuable because even if he wins you a single team of the week, that's 25 to 30% of your investment, you know, returned on dividends. So that's the beauty of this platform, that no player is actually useless. Which three defenders had the best scores last season? Break it down for us. Yeah, so I, I don't think this will come as a surprise. So the number one... 
defender in terms of average uh, last season was uh, Trippier with an average of uh, 40.5. Uh, this basically broken down was due to the 14 clean sheets, one goal, seven assists, and three key passes per game. Uh, so the second one also would not come as a surprise is uh, Trent. So he had an average of 38.5, uh, managed to keep 14 clean sheets, two goals, nine assists, and average two key passes per game. The third one, and this will disappoint people looking into Digne, is uh, Moreno. So he managed uh, 38 average uh, and kept seven clean sheets uh, since joining Villa, uh, contributing three assists and uh, 1.2 key passes per game. And the final one, which will definitely be a surprise, I think, is uh, Aaron Wan-Bizaka. So he managed an average of 37.5 and I'm pretty sure that that's on the back of uh, the 18 clean sheets and the insane amounts of tackles done by him. So, let's move on to midfielders now. So, I'm assuming defensive midfielders don't score that well? Yep, that's correct. So, basically, it's kind of a similar situation to centre-backs. Uh, I wouldn't say as bad as centre-backs, but they're definitely not favoured by the matrix. So, the matrix is very decisive-oriented. So, goals, assists, key passes, that's what's going to get you on the team of the week. Um, so, however, we, we, we had some... Some CDMs, so Gundogan, for example, I, I know he's not exactly a CDM, but he plays more of that eight, six role. So he managed uh, an average of 35, which is quite interesting. Then we had the likes of Zaka, which actually managed to get in team of the week, uh, if I can find my stats, uh, three times this season with an average of 33.74. Uh, and we have the uh, old player of Rodri, which also... Uh, managed an average of 32. Uh, however, that was not enough to get him on Team of the Week. And uh, lastly, I know I'm going to disappoint more people, but uh, Rice had the average of 24.35, obviously not making a single Team of the Week. However, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out in Arsenal because, you know, Arsenal midfielders love to score an assist. So that would be quite interesting. I watched last night's game and, yeah, I think Rice, Rice in a different team could um it could be quite decent for me it's just his price was just too high so that's why I didn't get involved yeah and the supply and the supply okay. side was uh, quite on the high side in my opinion so like the combination of the price and the supply just you know didn't make it hard for me to give him a hard pass okay so I'm pretty sure midfielders will only be making it into team of the week if they get a goal or an assist and their team wins. Would you agree with that from what you've seen whilst producing your stats? Yeah, so, well, in order to determine it, I, I, I tried to calculate the average points uh, of the top four midfielders. So that's the four midfielders uh, making team of the week. So that was actually surprisingly high. That was uh, 73.9 points. However, I don't believe that's very representative because you had the number one and two midfielders hitting 100 points. So I also calculated the average points for uh, the fourth midfielder to get in team of the week. So you might say that that's the average points to uh, be eligible for team of the week. So this figure stands at uh, 63.9 points. So assuming a player gets a win, that's 20 points. Then from... Uh, Tackles, interceptions, shots, key passes, and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure like 15 to 20 points are quite realistic. 
So once one assist or a goal, we'll take them probably around the 60 uh, points mark, which is almost, you know, almost enough to get them team of the week. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, a goal or an assist will be 90%, uh, you know, getting a team of the week, unless you have, you know, some other like freak events happening. Ignoring the premium players, which three midfielders stand out from your stats? That you think will do well, right? well I, I, as people can see in the spreadsheet, uh, I'll, I'll mention the top five midfielders in terms of average. So that's um, KDB, Bruno Fernandes, Martin Odegaard, uh, Bukayo Saka, and Phil Foden. So excluding these, um, I will probably go with uh, the two Brighton boys. So that's uh, Soli March and Pascal Gross. Uh, as it seems, Brighton are utilizing their midfield quite intensively. So these would be my, my, my two certain uh, picks. And then, in order to make people happy, <laughs> I, I would consider Madison or McAllister. So Madison managed an average of uh, 39 points. And you have to take into consideration the terrible form of Leicester. So if he moves into a better team in which he, ha- he, you know, he takes corners and uh, set pieces, he can do really, really amazing uh, if they manage to win more games. And then my fourth pick would be McAllister. So again, quite risky because he's going to Liverpool. Uh, they don't usually tend to use their midfield a lot uh, in the build-up. They, us- they usually play more from the wings. Um, however, seeing the number 10 shirt gives me a small you know, indication that he might play more offensively. So, yeah, my, my, my picks would be March, Gross, Madison and McAllister. Uh, and some other shouts would be Eze and Olize. So they were both very, very successful this season. They're young and they, they play for a Crystal Palace team which utilises a lot their midfield. So, so these will be ones to watch for, for the future. Let's hope Palace get a decent manager because I don't believe Roy Hodgson's staying on. So that'll be interesting to see what happens there. Cool. Good stuff. Right, let's move on to attackers. So, ignoring the freak known as Erling Haaland, which other attackers stand out as great shouts for next season? Yeah, so so based on my calculation, the top five forwards for this season uh, were Haaland, Martinelli, Jesus, Harry Kane and uh, Salah. So I will not be talking about Salah and Kane. I will be going the other avenue. So assuming Arsenal can replicate what they did this season, which I have doubts because Arsenal is usually like a one-trick pony team. They do an amazing season and then, you know, not so great. So assuming that Arsenal keeps up, I think Jesus, Martinelli and Saka will be very, very good uh, picks. I'm quite interested to see whether Saka will be registered as a midfielder or as a forward. I would probably say as a forward uh, based on uh, the other listings. So these will be, in terms of Arsenal... um, this one will be quite uh, unorthodox, but uh, I think Darwin Nunes can have a quite good season. His uh, first season for Benfica wasn't that great, followed by um, by an amazing season. Uh, so I think uh, he will have a pretty good season. They also have Europa League games in which Liverpool will be facing, you know, very low quality teams. So that will definitely hurt, help towards team of the week and team of the month. And uh, finally, Rashford will be my third one. Uh, 
I think you've seen the rumors going around that he might be playing center forward uh, in the United team. So I think this will allow even more goals from him and the international games also help a lot. United definitely need to sort that centre forward role out. Um, the the loan signing of Wow Croft really did. Oh yeah, that was <laughs> uh, that was terrible. United have not found uh, like you know a proper number nine, probably for seven eight years now. So maybe yeah. maybe we see Kane next year in United. You never know. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully not, but I get the feeling that's that's where he'll probably end up going. Um, but yeah, Darwin Nunez, I think that's a good shout because you're right, Liverpool in the Europa League up against weaker opposition, they're going to need to rotate and he's kind of been a, a bit of a fringe player last season. So yeah, I could see him getting a really good run in the Europa League, which might produce some big scores. Which attacker from your stats do you think will do well next season but might go under the radar when it comes to his IPO? Uh, so I've, um, I've shortlisted uh, six forwards for this. Uh, and so I think most of them will not come as a surprise. So the first one is uh, Evan Ferguson. So he, he had his breakthrough season, uh, well, this season. He managed an average of 31. And uh, I think... Uh, under the Zerbi, he can do even better. So he's got age on his side. He's a very, very, very good player. And I, I think he will be quite interesting. But I'm curious to see how he's priced because of that age. But never, nevertheless, a great shout. So the, nev- the, the second one is the player that won the Goal of the Year award. So that's uh, Enciso with an average of 36. I think he will be a very good long-term pick. The third one is uh, Mitrovic. So he managed an average of 38. And, uh, you know, he he got banned for seven games. But even in the remaining 25, 24 games, he managed to get quite good scores. Uh, So if I can find my stat here, I think he had one of the highest peak scores. Like our guest last week said, you know, attacking forwards who are on penalties are going to be you know, great for this matrix. So, yeah, Mitrovic taking all the penalties for for Fulham is definitely going to see him putting up some decent scores. Yep. For sure. So, actually, Mitrovic's uh, highest score was uh, 105. So, that's quite impressive. Uh, the only, the, the other four attackers that managed higher was Erling Haaland with 142, Jesus with 123, Salah with 108, and Ivan Tony with 107. Well, however, Tony will not be playing anymore for the foreseeable future. Uh, other than that, I really like Isaac. Uh, he had an injury this season, but uh, he's a very talented player, and uh, I, th- I think he will, you know, settle much better this year. And I think he can produce some uh, really good scores. Uh, my and lastly, uh, Diogo Jota. So he also had a lot of. Um, injuries this season um, but interesting fact is that in the 22 games that he managed to play he actually would make uh, three team of the weeks so that's uh, quite impressive yeah that is impressive actually because he he does need to stay fit he does get a lot of injuries but when he is fit yeah he's 
he's getting some decent scores. Cool. Okay, so let's do a few comparisons. So the first one I've got for you is Andy Robinson versus Luke Shaw. Who did better last season and why? And who do you think will do better next season? Yeah, so oddly enough, both players had almost a, almost an identical average. So Luke Shaw had an average of 31.2. Uh, Robertson had an average of 31.7. Uh, so Luke Shaw had 18 clean sheets, one goal, two assists, 1.1 key passes per game, 1.2 interceptions and 1.8 tackles. While Robertson had 14 clean sheets, no goals, eight assists, 1.6 key passes and 1.1 tackles. So I would say that both players did well. Uh, Luke Shaw's score was mostly revolving around the clean sheets. Uh, while Robertson had, uh, well, Liverpool had a really bad season in the beginning and then they managed, you know, to get it right. So out of the two, I think I would go with Robertson for next year because I think Liverpool will do much better and I'm not sure, you know, United can manage 18 clean sheets again. And uh, oddly enough, both players uh, managed a really high score. So Shaw's higher score was 81 points and Robertson was 83 points. So you can you can tell that that was enough to bag them both at the team of the week. I had both of them in my FPL team for most of the season and a lot of the time I was looking at Robinson and thinking he's just he's just not doing as well as Shaw because obviously they didn't pick up as many clean sheets but I think I missed a lot of his assists as well. So that's why I was thinking he's, he's not done as well as Shaw but yeah, for me, I think they're both great shouts. Yeah, I, I'm. It's it seems okay. like Liverpool are going, you know, hard on the transfer market, and uh, you know, after a disappointing season, I think they're going to do much better next year, and the Europa League will only, you know, make it even better for us. Decent players, good young talents, and you know, let's let's hope that um, Palace get a manager that makes good use of both of those players. Okay, last one then. Mitoma versus Anthony. I'm I'm pretty sure people have seen uh, you know the headlines around Anthony. So, well, it doesn't seem very good for him. And I don't know. It's like United are kind of cursed. Like you know, after the Greenwood situation, having another similar situation is definitely you know not good. But uh, in terms of their their games, um, Anthony managed an average of 36 over 25 games while Mitoma averaged a 33 over 33 games. Um, Anthony managed to score four goals and two assists with 1.2 key passes, uh, while Mitoma had seven goals, five assists and 1.2 key passes. Um, both are... I'm, I'm not sure whether Anthony will be classified as a, as a forward, to be, to be honest, or a midfielder. I, I would probably go with a forward. Um, in terms of their peak score, Anthony managed a, a, an 80-point game, while Mitoma managed a 70-point game. So, I don't know. I'm not feeling very optimistic about Anthony. Um, and, you know, United is a very hard team not to perform in. So, I, I will have to go with Mitoma, uh, take into consideration as well that they are playing uh, Europa League. Those three comparisons were all pretty close in the sense that I hadn't seen any of your stats. So I was literally just picking those players off my educated guessing that they would be um, they would be quite close. So, yeah, some good comparisons. Right. So after producing all your stats, 
which player has surprised you the most? You know, that player that made you think, wow, I never expected that kind of score from him. Yeah, so so I've broken it down per position. Um, in terms of defender, I was very surprised to see the, the score of uh, Bizaka. So that's uh, 37.5. Um, he was one standout. And the second one was uh, Estupinan. I'm, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it very well. It's a very hard name. So he, he, he managed uh, an average of 27.5. But the fact with uh, this player was that he managed a lot of peak scores. So his uh, peak score was 83 points. And I'm pretty sure he would have uh, gotten a couple of team of the weeks, probably three to four team of the weeks. So based on the fact that I don't think United will do that well, I out of the two, I would have to pick uh, Stubinan, which was a standout player, very interesting one as well. So, so this is where the average uh, uh, error comes out. So judging from the average, you wouldn't have looked at him, but uh, his peak scores are enough to get him more team of the weeks than, you know, a more consistent player. Uh, in terms of midfield, uh, I was very surprised with uh, Soli March and uh, Pascal Gross. Uh, obviously, they did uh, score a couple, but uh, managing a peak score of 84 and uh, 85, respectively, was quite interesting. Uh, and they will also have, uh, you know, easy European games next year, which uh, will help a lot, you know, towards ranking some team of the month and team of the season points. And uh, finally... For the forward position, I, I would have to say that Mitrovic was the standout. Uh, as I mentioned, he had a peak score of 104 and five points, bagging himself a couple of team of the weeks. And the second standout would be Jota. So out of the two, I would probably go with uh, Jota now due to the European games. You're a United fan. You're only allowed two United players in your portfolio. Who do you choose? Yeah, uh, I, I think this is quite obvious. So the first one would be Bruno Fernandes. Uh, as a midfielder, he scores a lot. He has a lot of key passes uh, and he is on penalty duty. So if I can find my stats, Bruno Fernandes managed an average of 3.3 key passes per game, which is insane. Uh, combine that with his eight goals and eight assists um, makes him like, you know, probably top three midfielders. Uh, and the second one would have to be Marcus Rashford because of the whole uh, the whole centre forward issue. And uh, he plays for England. He's young. Uh, he's coming out on the back of a great season. So I, I think he can do well. Uh, and the final one, well, like as a surprise, would be Garnacho, but that would be more of a long term hold. Uh, I think this I think this player has you know a very bright future, seeing uh, his impact on the FA Cup as soon as he was subbed on. So it will be very interesting to see how he does when he comes to the platform and how he's priced. Garnaccio is going to be one of those youths that gets a lot of interest. One of the top youths on the platform, probably. Cool. Okay, so lastly, without using any of the top five players that appear on each of your spreadsheets, give me a five-a-side team you think will do well on Stocks FC next season. One keeper, one defender, two midfielders and an attacker. Okay, so my goalkeeper choice would be Emiliano Martinez. Uh, as I mentioned, he has League Cup games, European games, Argentina games. So he'll be playing a lot this season. And he averages uh, 
quite a substantial amount of uh, saves. So he had an average of 2.8 saves per game, 12 clean sheets. So he will be one to look uh, out for. Uh, in terms of defenders, I would I will have to go with uh, Andrew Robertson, which uh, it seems like Tsimikas is probably going to leave Liverpool, I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and uh, I think Liverpool will do very well. They have those easy European fixtures and Robertson tends to assist a lot. So this season actually was one of his worst seasons in terms of um, assists and goals. So I, I'm pretty sure he will find his way back. My second uh, defender would be Pervis Estupinan, as I mentioned before. And the third one would be either Joao Cancelo if he stays at City or if he goes to Arsenal. And if he doesn't, um, I think uh, Malasia would be another interesting one because of how attacking-oriented he is. So in terms of midfielders, I would have to go with uh, March, Madison, Gross and uh, Trossard. If, if he's actually, uh, you know, classified as a midfielder. And for forwards, I will go with Rashford, Nunes and Gakpo. I, th- I think Gakpo is a very talented player and, uh, you know, coming in on January is quite hard for adaptation and stuff. So I think he will have a, a very, very decent season. Biggest five-a-side team I've ever seen, but good to, good to hear. Yeah, actually, I did an 11 team. Sorry about that. <laughs> I got carried away. <laughs> I just realised, actually. <laughs> uh, well, that's embarrassing. On, on, the Cancelo, <laughs> on the Cancelo front, um, yeah, I'd, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Cancelo because, for me, he was, like, the number one choice for my FPL team. And then just all of a sudden, he falls out of favour. He's off to Bayern Munich. And it's like, oh, you know, one of my favourite FPL players has just disappeared. So, yeah, it'll be good to see what happens with him. Yeah, to be fair, he's a, a very talented fullback. Like, his, you know, his passes are literally out of this world. So, I would have to assume that it's not, you know, performance-oriented. Maybe, you know, Guardiola is a bit of a strange person. So, I, I'm pretty sure that something happened, you know, in the dressing room. So I, I think if he goes to Arsenal, which I, I don't think is very likely, that, that would be actually, you know, amazing. They, they don't have, a, like, you had the Thomas Partey playing a right back. So upgrading Partey to Cancelo, it's game changing. Yeah, that would be a good move for him. OK, well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us tonight, mate. And it's been very insightful. So thank you very much. Anything else you want to add before I move on? Um, well, I, I hope I didn't bore you out with the, the whole stats things. Uh, I, I tried to, you know, lay it out as as easily as possible because that's a lot of numbers. So hopefully, you know, people leave here with actually some knowledge. Um, in terms of, actually, I would like to talk about two things. So the first thing is Saudi Arabia. like. What what what's happening there? Like, are they gonna buy every player from the Premier League and offer them like insane amounts of money? Because that will definitely, you know, alter my decision making in terms of who I buy. Uh, so that that's gonna be a you know very interesting one. Yeah, for sure. I can't I can't see him leaving the Premier League when you're so close to, you know, putting your name as a part of history. That I well. 
before Haaland joined, I would have said, you know, that that will stay in history for a very long time. But if Haaland end up, if he ends up staying in the Premier League for most of his career, then Haaland would definitely break Kane's record, if you like. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yep. Cool. Right. Well, there you have it, folks. I mean. Yeah, you know, thank you, Greek. I found it very interesting, all the stats, and you know, I'm sure the listeners have have also taken a lot away from tonight's session. So, yeah, you weren't boring at all, and and thank you very much for putting the time in and and giving us all the insights you have. Yep, of course. Let's move on to the next section, which is the IPO segment, and we'll come back to you in a minute, Greek, to see if you can guess who it is. Yep. I will have to do my stats things very fast because I must admit to the people that I don't know who the player is. So I'm I'm very eager as, as people are. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't tell anyone. Yeah, that's that's the one big secret of the show. You got you the guest has to have a guest. So yeah, they'll never know. Okay, so next up is the reason a lot of you tune in, which is where we announce the name of a player who is being IPO'd next week. So, let me give you a few clues and then we'll flip over to Greek for his guess. So, he's a winger who featured in all 38 Premier League games last season, scoring six goals and getting five assists. His team finished in the bottom half of the table and they flirted with relegation for most of the season, although they had an amazing run in the Europa Conference League. He's 26 years old with blonde hair and apparently his name is his nickname is predator so make of that what you will he's english and he's gone from non-league to premier league via hereford then hull and then his current team so any guesses greek okay so uh is uh, <laughs> is it uh bowen yeah, oh. that is correct. Weathers is, Weathers has already posted in the Discord. Really? He got it straight away. Oh, yeah. I just yeah. saw that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Well done, Greek. Well done, Weathers. Right. So, he will be, I believe, um, it's going to be Wednesday next week. So, he's going to be the middle IPO. And he will be priced at 0.00047 ETH which is roughly 70 pence, and he will be classed as an attacker. So, thoughts on that, Greek? What's, um, what was his stats like for last season? Okay, so, so I, had the, I had him classified as a midfielder. So, he managed an average of 28 points with a peak score of 88. So, that alone suggests that he definitely made one team of the week. Uh, in terms of... Um, I saw six goals, five assists, and 1.3 key passes per game. So he's also like on the uh, creative side of the game. Um, one thing to consider is that they will be playing Europa League next season. So that's quite interesting. Um, yeah, it seems uh, quite interesting. The, the price, I think he's uh, quite fairly priced given the age European games. And yeah. It's quite, quite nice. It's better than the last week, I must admit. But I think we were quite spoiled by the better choices. Yeah, 
I agree. I think he's he's been well priced at seventy p. Um, I, you know, I watched the game last night. He got the he got the game winning goal, if you like. So, you know, that would have put him into team of the week, I reckon. So, yeah, decent. Yeah, this week's IPOs have been fairly dull. I mean, Conor Gallagher is all right. Um, Ethan Pinnock, he's selling. He's selling more than I expected. I did. Um, I picked up 150 myself this morning. Uh, I don't know about Digne. I mean, I think Alex Moreno's the the first choice, and he's he's going to get most of the games. So, yeah, for me, Lucas Digne's a fringe player. But you know, if he's got a low supply, might be worth getting a little 25. Who knows? I'll see how I'll see how that goes. Well, to to be fair, on the Dine side, I think he's uh, quite underappreciated. So he didn't have the best season. So he managed uh, zero assists actually and one goal. Um, but uh, the previous season he had uh, four assists. Uh, the season before that he had uh, seven assists. So I I I, th- I rate him as a player. Uh, if he manages to move to another club, I think he would do well. But uh, they will have European games, so they will definitely need, you know, the, the rotational player. I mean, I, I I do like him as a player in the sense that I remember a couple of seasons ago, I had him in my FPL team for quite a while because he, um, I think when he was at Everton, you know, he was he was getting a fair few assists and I saw him as quite a, a decent wing-back. But the problem is, Emre, you know, Moreno's an Emre signing, so... And with him being Spanish, yeah, I just think Moreno's going to take most of that game time in that position. Yeah, Gallagher is another interesting one. So, so Kante is leaving. Uh, Kovacic is also leaving. Uh, I'm I'm not sure what will happen with the Mount situation because, uh, well, Chelsea are just literally being crazy asking for 70 million on a player on a one-year contract, which I don't even rate as much. So... I don't know. There might be, you know, a good chance that uh, Gallagher features for the team or maybe is finally, you know, sold in order to balance the books. So it's quite interesting. And uh, I, th- I think that everyone's noticed that the midfielders tend to appreciate after being IPO'd. So Rice appreciated, Ma- uh, Madison appreciated, uh, even Curtis. So, so I think that's you know quite interesting factor to take into consideration. Yeah, I agree on that front. All the midfielders have gone up in price after they've been IPO'd, and yeah, I've I've just got no idea what's going on with the Chelsea team. Um, yeah, it's a really hard one to try and gauge who's going to be you know the main starters and get a decent run because at the moment they've just got so many players in every position. Um, you're gonna kind of, you're gonna need probably a couple of months to see what Poch settles with, and you know he's so you can just get an idea of his first eleven before you can even start buying Chelsea players. Jared Bowen, I'll I'll probably I'm gonna pick some of him up. I think he's he'll be a decent hold. Here. What was what was Bowen's peak score? So he managed the um, score of eighty eight. Yeah, that was his an eighty eight. Yeah, I'm. Team of the week. Uh, I'm. I'm curious to see you know throughout the seasons how he did. So, so this season he had 
six goals, five assists, and 1.3 key passes. Uh, previous season, he had 12 goals, 10 assists, and 1.3 key passes. And the season before that, he had eight goals, five assists, and 0.8 key passes. So you might argue that this season was not his best, but like he's just shown consistently over three seasons that you know he can win you a couple of rewards. So actually reading more about him, you know, I like him even more. Definitely going to be a good shout. Tell me, um, tell me about Pedro Porro, because obviously I'm a Spurs fan and I, I've watched him and I think I just get the feeling he's going to be really good because he loves shooting from absolutely anywhere. He'll take a shot. You know, he, he got a couple of assists, a couple of goals. And he only played like half the season for us. So, yeah, I'm interested in Porro to see what were his stats like. Yeah, so Porro played uh, 13, no, 15 games this season, starting 13. Um, he had an average of 30. Uh, the problem with Porro is that uh, uh, I'm not sure that uh, they will be playing with five at the back. So... I don't know how that would work out for him. Uh, and, you know, new manager. Uh, I don't know much about him in terms of his uh, playing. You know, I haven't seen Celtic that much. But uh, it would be quite interesting. I, he de- definitely loves shooting from anywhere. So so that's a plus. On the manager front, I'm, I'm not really impressed, to be honest. I, I just kind of feel like it's going to be another couple of seasons with a a dud manager, so well, yeah, we'll have to see how he, he lines up. Yeah, he, you, you're right though. Poro did score three goals and assist three with an average of 1.7 key passes. So that's very good for uh, having started, you know, 13 games. Um, and I'm curious to see as to which Japanese player uh, Posteko Glue will actually end up buying because he loves Japanese players from his time at the Yokohama. Yeah. Yeah, that is very true. <laughs> so, and and yeah, and I'm I am proud that as a fellow Greek, uh, you know, we have a semi-Greek person managing a, a Premier League team, so that's quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, maybe he signs Matoma, Matoma to Spurs. <laughs> uh, that, that would be actually nice. I was I was actually reading now that Spurs are are quite uh, going, you know, hard on uh, Madison. Uh, I've also read that he prefers Newcastle, but uh, either clubs would be amazing for him. Uh, Newcastle, I think, will be a bit worse because then he will affect our trip years by taking his set pieces. So hopefully he signs for Tottenham. He would be a good signing. I mean, Spurs need to sort. We need a keeper, really. I mean, as much as I love Lloris, it's, it's kind of the end of his career and we need to get a, a solid keeper in. Yeah, I'm, and hopefully I'm, start keeping some clean sheets for Pod. For Pel- Pel- <laughs> yeah, I was reading that uh, they're going for Raya, which will be very good, and and I'm pretty sure Yoris actually, you know, spoke uh, out about uh, finding something new, like you know, a new journey or adventure. So I think that's kind of done. It's going to be an interesting transfer window, that's for sure. It yeah. opens with it Saudi opens Arabia anymore. looming in. That will definitely be a very interesting one. <laughs> So yeah, I think it opens in a week, and then yeah, happy days. Yeah, what 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 are the latest on uh, Rice? So I, I I understand there's a gentleman's agreement between him and the club about you know leaving. So 
I'm pretty sure Arsenal are going hard because Caicedo, I don't know how they're asking for 100 million. Like, people have gone mad. Yeah. Yeah, the 100 million just seems to be the the um, you know, the price everyone asks for for a decent player these days. So, um, yeah, I don't know. On the Rice front, I, I assume now that, you know, cause West Ham said, look, as long as we're playing football, we're not interested in talking about Rice's transfer. So now that they've got that game out of the way last night, I guess the bids will start rolling in and, and maybe a, a deal will get done pretty quickly. Closing thoughts. Any other thoughts, Greek, or is, are you all, all good? Uh, no, I think we went through most of the stuff. Um, I was curious to see, you know, if people were interested in certain players. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, a lot of people will be listening during their commute. So I fully understand that. And uh, definitely, if you're interested, you know, follow the, the Twitter page. I'll be posting more stats and following the Stocks FC Insights uh, new series coming. Yeah, so just tell everyone your Twitter handle so they can follow you. Yeah, so it's uh, Greek uh, Stocks FC. Thanks for joining us today, mate. It's been a pleasure. Keep up the good work and I look forward to following your content in the coming months. Uh, thank you for having me, mate. And looking forward, you know, to the to see how the product evolves it's it's very it's a very interesting journey i really you know i i'm really in love with this product and i've ended up spending so many hours researching so that's quite nice yeah same here i'm buzzing for the start of the season already can't wait to to see everything take shape and you know kind of fall into place so yeah looking forward to it right um Okay, so if you want to get a better understanding of how all the different areas of the platform work, then listen to episode one of my show. Um, you know, I just talked through all the areas of the platform, so that's a good education for anyone new that's listening. Everyone should make sure they're tracking their investment properly, which is what episode two was all about. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to episode two. Download the Medium app. It's free to create an account. And I've written six articles for Stocks FC about Stocks FC, which you can read on there. Um, so, yeah, drop me a follow on Medium. Make sure you're following me on Twitter. And if you can all share my content, that would be greatly appreciated. And respect to those of you that have been doing it over the last month. So if anyone wants to be a guest on the show, then drop me a DM and we'll get it scheduled. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. That wraps up tonight's show. So until next week, stay safe and trade well, my friends. Trade well. 